Welcome back, everybody, to the Thinking Talmudist podcast. Good Friday afternoon. We are now going to learn a fascinating Gemara. And this is in Tractate Shabbat, Mesechah Shabbos, Pechas Amr Aleph, 88a. V'yisyatsvu betachtis ha'or. The Jewish people are standing at Mount Sinai, and the verse in the Torah tells us, and they stood at the foot or at the bottom of the mountain. Now, it can just say betachas ha'or. It doesn't say betachas. It says betachtis, which means like underneath the mountain. Ravdimi, the son of Chama, the son of Chasa, said, This teaches us that the Holy One, blessed is He, covered them with the mountain as though it were an upturned vat. And Hashem said to them, If you accept the Torah, then fine. But if you don't, your burial place will be right there. The Gemara comments on this teaching. says, From here stems strong grounds for a notification of coercion regarding acceptance of the Torah. From here stems strong grounds for a notification of coercion regarding acceptance of the Torah. The Gemara concludes, Amar Rava, Rava said, Nevertheless, they re-accepted the Torah again in the days of Ahasuerus, because it says, The Jews accepted and established, which is interpreted to mean, they established in the days of Ahasuerus that which was already accepted in the days of Moses. So let's collect all of this, these ideas. The Jewish people standing by, by Mount Sinai, they're having the greatest revelation ever revealed to a people, to a mass of people. 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60. You multiply that by women, it's 1.2 million. You add the children under the age of 20. You add the seniors over the age of 60. And you have 3.2 million people standing around Mount Sinai. No one's allowed to get in the, in, in, onto the mountain except for Moses who goes up and he comes back 40 days later with the tablets. God takes the mountain and lifts it up above everyone. And he says, guys, you either accept it all or you're dead. I just drop it, and you're done. So uh, uh, that, that is that not coercion? What is coercion if that isn't? I mean, that's the greatest form of coercion. Our sages tell us, what did God say that they needed to accept? The oral Torah. The written Torah, they accepted. That they accepted, the, that they said, Nasev and Nishma, we will do and we will hear, we will listen. That's not a problem. What we're talking about, if you look at this diagram, this part was accepted. They accepted it right away. But what's about the Mishnah and the Midrash and the Talmud, which was all orally transmitted by Moshe at Mount Sinai over the next 40 years? What's about that part? There are things that are not written in the Torah that we abide by as if it was given to Moses at Mount Sinai 
because it was. It's not written in the Torah. But there are things that we have established as part of the Jewish way of life. Why? Because it's Torah. Even though there's no explicit commandment in the Torah stating so. I'll give you a few examples. We've mentioned these examples in the past. We know we're supposed to wear tefillin, but we don't know what the tefillin are. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah what the tefillin are. It says to put a mezuzah on your door. It doesn't say what a mezuzah is. It says to slaughter an animal. It doesn't tell you how to slaughter an animal. All of these commandments are not telling you details. What are those details? Well, guess what? That's the oral Torah. That, you need an oral transmission. You can't understand it just by simply looking at it in the Torah. You need to have a rabbi who learned it from his rabbi, who learned it from his rabbi, who can transmit that information to uh, to each and every one of us properly. And each one, you know, when we get smicha, rabbinic ordination, you know what that means? That means that you're getting your rabbinic ordination from someone who received their rabbinic ordination, from someone who received their rabbinic ordination, all the way up to Moshe at Mount Sinai. There are pieces of the Torah that you cannot understand without an oral transmission. I'll give you an example. There's a certain color red in blood that if is found by a woman, it renders her impure. That doesn't mean any shade of red. There's a very specific... How do you define red in on, on a piece of paper? There's no way. It has to be shown that something that needs to be transmitted from rabbi to student and teaching and training the eye to see exactly what is the exact shade of red that would render one impure. Wow. That you don't have in the Torah. The Torah tells you that certain qualifications render a woman impure. She goes to the mikvah and she becomes pure. But we don't have the detail of what that is. Uh Uh-uh. Moshe trained that to the rabbis, to the elders, to the sages in his generation, and each one taught it to their students, and each one taught it to their students, and so on and so forth, all the way to what we have today. You may ask, how is it possible for the Jewish people to accept something that wasn't written yet, like the Talmud? Well, the Talmud, we said, is oral law, meaning it was orally, it was orally transmitted by Moshe already. All of these arguments that you see here in the Talmud that we learn every single week in our thinking Talmudist class were already discussed by Moshe. They weren't put into writing till Rabbi Hudanasi wrote the Mishnah, till Judah the Prince, the leader of the Jewish people, wrote it and codified it in the six sections of the Mishnah and then elaborated on in the Talmud. Unless we have all of those completely understood, unless we have those completely elaborated, we don't really understand the full depths of it. That's what we need to do. We need to uh, invest time in understanding the Talmud, which is explaining the Mishnah, which is explaining the verses of the Torah. Everything needs to be sourced. The Talmud now continues. So I, I, I just think that it's important for us to review that. And we've mentioned it dozens and dozens of times, remembering that 
everything in Torah, everything in Judaism is sourced. No rabbi has the right to make up rules, to fabricate rules, to create new rules or new customs. It is essential in Judaism that we source everything. And we have plenty of sources for everything that we do. We go, we look in halacha. Halacha is based on the conclusions of the discussion of the Talmud, based on those 13 principles. The, the Talmud is all based on the Mishnah. The Mishnah is all based on the Torah. You can't just say things. The Talmud doesn't just say things. So now, the Jewish people are standing beneath the mountain. God says, either accept it all, meaning all of the extrapolations, all of the meanings and the reasonings and the the underlying conclusions of everything that's in the Torah, if you don't accept that, you can't accept. It's like, imagine you buy a fan without the electrical plug. You, you, you need the plug. You don't have the plug. You buy a computer without the power pack, right? You're never going to be able to charge it to make it work. You have to get the power pack with it. Otherwise, the computer just won't work. The power pack of the Torah is the oral Torah. Hashem says, uh, 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 you got to take that with you. You got to take it with you. Now, had the Jewish people not accepted it later, it means when, when, Esther and, Mor- and, Ach- and Mordechai, in the time of Achashverosh, that was the time when the Jewish people said, Kimu v'kiblu, they, they re-accepted what they had accepted at Mount Sinai. They accepted the oral Torah out of love. Out of love. Another teaching about Israel's acceptance of the Torah. Omar Chizkia, Chizkia said, My dechsev, what is the meaning of that which is written? Right? From heaven you made the, made judgment heard. The earth became afraid and grew calm. If it became afraid, why did it grow calm? And if it grew calm, why did it become afraid? Rather, the verse means that in the beginning, before Israel accepted the Torah, the earth became afraid. And at the end, it became calm. Why? Because what was the world created for? The world was created for mankind, obviously. It was created for the Jewish people to receive the Torah and observe it and bring God into this world through the observance of the Torah. Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Mishnah, and this is all the oral Torah. The prophets, by the way, do you know how many prophets there were? We only have 24 books total, of which five are the five books of the, of Moses, right? The five books of the Torah. It means 19 books of prophets. That's it. One of them is 12 combined. Do you know how many prophets there were? There were thousands of prophets and thousands of books of prophets. But because they were not for all time periods, a, a book of teaching and lessons. So they were excluded as being part of the, but they're all prophecies. Okay. Now let's just go back for a second. 
the Gemara explains why the earth was afraid before the Jews accepted the Torah. And why did it become afraid? This can be explained with the teaching of Rishlakish. The Amr Rishlakish. Rishlakish said, My dechsiv, what is that which is said? Vayihi Erev, Vayihi Voker, Yom Ha Shishi. We spoke about this yesterday in our Parsha Review podcast. It says, in all of the days of creation, it says, Yom Echad, the first day, Yom Sheni, the second day, Yom Shlishi, Yom Revi'i, Yom Chamishi. And then it says, Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. Why does it say that? Why is there an emphasis on the sixth day? Hey, Yisera Lamali, why do we need an extra letter? Hey, Malamed, again, one letter in the Torah. There's a Talmud about it. One letter. And there are many Talmuds actually about it. That's how important one letter in the Torah is. Melamed Shehitna Kodesh Borchu Im my Sibiratius. It teaches us that the Holy One Blessed is, is He stipulated with the works of His creation. And He said to them, If the Jewish people accept the Torah, you will endure. But if they don't accept the Torah, the Jewish people say, No mas, we don't want it. We'll accept the written, not the oral, or we won't accept the... No, no, no. You know what happens? I will return you to astonishing emptiness. Commentaries say, Rishlokish is answering that the definite article of Yom Hashishi, the sixth day, was added to indicate a special sixth day that is known from a different context, namely the sixth day of Sivan, when the Torah was given. It was given also on the sixth day of the month of Sivan. This verse, which concludes Scripture's account of the sixth day of creation, thus teaches that the entire creation was dependent on Israel's acceptance of the Torah on the sixth day of Sivan. For this reason, the earth was initially afraid and did not grow crumb until the Jews accepted the Torah as Chizkiyahu taught above. Ramban explains that the entire reason for creation was so that the Jewish people accept the Torah at Mount Sinai. Therefore, should Israel refuse the Torah, the world will automatically cease to exist because this is the condition upon which there was creation. If Hashem created the world, you know why He created the world? So that the Jewish people accept the Torah. If the Jewish people don't accept the Torah, what happens? No reason for the world. It goes back to Astonishing emptiness. Amazing. The Talmud now continues. The Gemara cites several teachings about Israel's verbal acceptance of the Torah. What did they say? We will do and we will hear. Darush Rabbi Simai. Rabbi Simai expounded. At the time that Israel preceded, we will do to, we will hear. Sixty myriads of ministering angels came to each and every Jew. And they tied two crowns on each Jew. One corresponding to we will do. And one corresponding to we will hear. 
But when Israel sinned with the golden calf, Yordu Sheish Yordu Ribo Malachi Chabala Vipirkum, one hundred and twenty myriads of destructive angels descended and removed the crowns. Just like you can get it, you can lose it. Shenemar, as it is stated, Vaisnatlu Bnei Yisrael es Edyom Mehar Chorev. The Jewish people, the children of Israel, were stripped of their jewelry in Har Chorev, which is Mount Sinai. They lost their status. They got the crowns of Naseh and the crown of Nishma, and now they lost them both because of the sin of the golden calf, which is interesting also. I'm sure that the Talmud will talk about this in another area, but why was the entire Jewish people affected by what just a minority of Jews did with the golden calf? We've mentioned this numerous times in our classes, and that is, we are responsible for one another. Kol Yisrael Areven Zelozeh. We are all responsible for one another. If another person is sinning, maybe they wouldn't have sinned if you would have been a little bit more loving, a little bit more caring, a little bit more sharing of your knowledge, of your wisdom. So if someone else is doing something, it may be your responsibility. We've got to be responsible. We've got to take uh, a step every single day and what am I doing to advance my own connection with God? What am I doing to advance my neighbor's connection to God, my family's connection to God, my spouse's connection to God, my community's connection to God? Do something special, something special. So they attained these crowns, and then, sadly, we lost those crowns. Yes, sir. We're 600,000 that put them on, and then there was 1.2 million that took them off. It's not a simple thing to remove the status. It's easier to hire people than to fire people. The Gemara now continues. Amar Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanino. Rabbi Chama said in the name of Rabbi Chanino, "Bechorev Taanu, Bechorev Parku." In Chorev, they loaded the crowns onto the people, and at Chorev, they unloaded the crowns. Bechorev Taanu, and at Chorev, they loaded the crowns. Kedamarn. What are we basing this on? On the verse, because it says previously. These crowns were from the radiance of the Shekhinah. According to Maharsha, the crowns are a metaphor of the offices of kingship and priesthood, to which God alluded to in the days before the revelation. And you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Anyone's ever heard of the term goy? People, re- people typically think that the word goy is referring to a non-Jew. The truth is, is that the people who are called a goy are the Jewish people in the Torah. They're called a goy kadosh, a holy nation. Goy means nation. A goy kadosh, a holy nation. So now the Gemara says, when they took off the crowns, as it is written, the Jewish children, the children of Israel, 
were stripped of their crowns. The Gemara relates what subsequently happened to the crowns. Amr Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, V'kulon zacha Moshe unatlan. Moshe merited to receive all of them, and indeed he took them. Dismichle, because right after that verse it says, Umoshe yikach es ha'ol, and Moses took the tent. Commentaries explain, after stating that the tr- children of Israel were stripped of their jewelry, the Torah continues, and Moshe would take the tent. These verses are juxtaposed to teach that Moshe took the jewelry, the crowns, that were, had been removed from the people. Alternatively, the teaching is based on the similarity of Ohel and Hilo. Ohel is tent, Hilo is shining, which appears in Job. Behilo Nero Ale Roshi. When his lamp would shine, Hilo, over my head, the word Ohel thus alludes to the shining crowns that were formed from the radiance of the Shekhinah. It was these crowns that caused Moses' face to glow. You know that that was one of the mistakes that the nations made and they didn't know how to read the Torah. The Torah says that Moshe's face was radiant. But if you don't have vowels, it says keren, which means a horn. And that's why I'm sure you've been asked, do Jews have horns? That's because you got to learn how to read. Now the Talmud continues. Another teaching about the crowns. Amari Shlakish, Shlakish said, In the future, the Holy One in Messianic times, the Holy One, blessed is He, will return them to us. Shenemra, as it states, Hashem Olam Al Rosham. And the redeemed, which is us, the redeemed ones of Hashem will return and come to Zion with song and with everlasting joy upon their heads. What's on their heads? Simcha Shemei Olam Al Rosha. This alludes to the joy that was once upon their heads long ago, the crowns they received at Sinai. So at the coming of Messiah, you know why you want Mashiach to come, David? Because you're going to get back your crown, you're going to get back your bling, right? Your jewelry, you're going to get more than that. It's not about the shining gold and silver and gemstones. It's about the radiance of the Shekhinah. It's the radiance of Hashem's presence in the world. Because what's going to happen in the time of Mashiach? There's going to be a 100% clarity of Hashem's presence in the world. Right now, there's a fog. There's a fog. Even people learning Torah sometimes don't have such clarity. They don't understand. But, and by the way, we say Kaddish. What's Kaddish? Kaddish is declaring that we want that time to come. Vikorev Mishiche. The time of Mashiach should come soon. What's going to happen then? It'll be Yehei Shemei Rabba Mivarach Laolam Olmiyamaya. That the name of Hashem will be blessed, meaning pronounced by everyone in all of the worlds, in all of the spheres, in all of the realms of creation, where everyone will acknowledge the existence of Hashem. Hashem put us in this world. We're right now living in a maze. And sometimes you're in a maze. Like, where do I go? Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Just re- realize that this is all to identify Hashem. You're not, looking right and left is not necessarily going to bring you that clarity. 
Look up and you'll get that clarity. The Gemara now continues. The Gemara elaborates further on the declaration of we will do and we will hear. Amr Avalazar, Avalazar said, at the time that Israel preceded, we will do to, we will listen, or we will hear, a heavenly voice emanated and said to them, who revealed to my children the secret which the ministering angels use? Bless Hashem, O His angels, the strong warriors who do His bidding, to hear the voice of his word. So first it talks about the warriors who do the bidding, and then it talks about they listen to Hashem's word. Beresha asu, first it is written who do the will of Hashem, and then it says and only then they hear what it is. Meaning, I think that this is a very fundamental principle in all of life. You have to be willing to do something even before you hear the details. Someone asks you for a favor, yes. I don't know what it is yet, but I want to. It's Naseh. Later on, we'll do the Nishma. Someone asks for a favor, you, one needs to evaluate within themselves, do I have the desire to be a Naseh, to do? Or let me listen first. Let me see. Let my Yetzahara convince me, you know, you really don't have time. You really can't do this. You got to take care of yourself first. You know, a person needs to know themselves, obviously. A person needs to prioritize themselves and their lives and their children and their family. But do you have the desire? Do you have the desire to do the will of Hashem? and the will of others when needed. The Gemara continues on this theme. Amr Rabbi Chama, Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Chama, the son of Rabbi Chanina, said, My dechsev, what is the meaning of that which is written in the verse, Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest. Why are the Jewish people compared to an apple? This serves to tell you the following lesson. Just as in the case of an apple, its fruit precedes the leaves. The apples grow before the leaves. So too did Israel precede, we will do, to we will hear. The fruit before the leaves. The nasa before the nishma. Because what does that exemplify? When someone says, Nasa Vinishma, I will do and we will listen, meaning, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's a commitment. It's a dedication. I don't care what the detail. I'll give you an example. David, when you got on one knee in front of Susan, and you said, will you marry me? Did she ask, well, let me ask you, and what's if... Uh, you have trouble in your in your uh, in your uh, business, and what's if it's not so promising? And what's if God forbid there's illness? And what's if God for this? That's not, not none of that. It's nobody does that. Why not? Because it's all about the bond and the relationship. There should be no precondition to marriage, except for the precondition that 
through thick and thin. I'm dedicated and devoted and with you. And you know what? I've, I brought this example before because I think this is a phenomenal uh, lesson to learn. There's a, a young couple that I know that two weeks after they got married, one of the spouse got diagnosed with a very severe illness. Very severe. And nobody knew it in advance. It wasn't like they were hiding something. This was a total shock. Is this what they went into the marriage for? I went to become a caretaker for someone? I was thinking that we're going to go and we're going to build a family together and everything's going to be roses and lilies and it's going to be so perfect and so beautiful and we're going to have this great romantic relationship. I didn't sign up to become a caretaker. Or did you? Through thick and thin. That's what it's about. You don't say, well, tell me what it's going to entail and then I'll think about it. You say, Nasa. I'm in. I'm committed. Whatever it takes, whatever comes our way, we're going to handle it. And that's the Jewish people. Our our relationship with Hashem was not dependent on, well, what happens if we have a uh, a, a holocaust? And what happens if we have an expulsion? And what's it, what happens if we have a burning at the stake? Like it's happened hundreds of times to the Jewish people. What's going to be with all of those? God? Naseh. We're in. Vinishma, we'll hear later. All of the challenges that come our way are just going to be a test to our commitment. And that's what they are. They're a test to our commitment. Hashem demonstrated His commitment to us. Hashem demonstrated not only with our patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, and with the pro- and with the tribes and with everyone leading up to Moshe and all of the slavery in Egypt and all of the miracles that happened there, the 250 miracles that the Jewish people saw as described by Moshe beforehand. And then all of the add-ons, Hashem gives us sustenance in the desert, Hashem takes care of us, Hashem protects us, Hashem gives us everything that we need. We're living in a desert, for crying out loud, there's no vegetation in the desert. How are they going to eat? You have the manna. You have all of the nations trying to kill the Jews. Is something we're unfamiliar with? The Jewish people, the Jewish people were shown God's abilities. We were shown God's love and dedication to us. And now Hashem is saying on one knee, at Mount Sinai, are we in or are we out? And we say, we're in, no questions asked. Naseh. Later on, Nishma. We'll hear what goes on later. We'll deal with that later. Right now, we're in for this relationship. We're in. That is the truth, is that we're always facing a struggle. There's, It's never going to be just easy. Oh, I saw those proofs. I need no proofs. All right, you told me you love me, and now for the next 15 years... There's no need to repeat, I love you, because I know it. No. We need to constantly, every single day, reaffirm that commitment, reaffirm that love with the Almighty every single day, which is why we pray. You ever wonder, we go to the synagogue in the morning, and we pray. And then in the afternoon, we go back to the synagogue, and we pray. 
And in the evening, we go back to the synagogue and we pray. And then in the morning, we start all over again. In the morning, we pray again. And then in the afternoon, we pray again. In the evening, we pray again. What is the deal with this obsession of praying? Because that's how much time it takes to forget. That's how much time it takes for us to forget that we're in this world, in this struggle of life, and we need to communicate with God. And we have to re-establish that focus, that strength of our amuna. That's why we start off the Amidah with Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. What, are three different gods? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? No. They each were able to build their own relationship with God. They were each able to derive their own greatness in their relationship with God. It's not just one size fits all. It's custom tailored. The relationship we have with God is custom tailored for each individual. But we have to invest in that relationship. We have a relationship of NASA. We're all in. God, just tell me what to do. I'm doing it. And God's going to throw us through the loop and he's going to put us on that roller coaster and we're going to have ups and downs and upside downs and curls and turns and it's going to go fast and slow. Hashem is constantly testing us. There's no one who's always on top. Just look, you mentioned previously that singer, right? He was at the top of the world in the billionaire list of Forbes and now maybe he'll make it on the millionaire's list of maybe of, of Forbes. But Hashem takes someone, puts someone all the way up and knocks them down. That's the way this world works. We all have that within each and every one of us. We have days that are awesome days. We feel we can, we can conquer the world. And we have days where like, nothing's going. I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not, it's just a day. It's just a day. We're committed. We don't say, oh, it's a tough day. I'm out. I'm checking out. No, it's a tough day. Tomorrow will be a better day. Let's re, reestablish, reevaluate. Reconnect. That's what every day is about. Abraham was the first monotheist. He was the first monotheist who introduced monotheism to the world and declared that all idols were idolatry and that it was these pagan beliefs were, were nonsense. And he was ready to demonstrate it on his own flesh and blood in Urkazdim, go into that burning furnace and show the, yes, this is the hand of Hashem that's protecting me. Everyone's like, what's going on here? Every, our world is being turned over. We thought it's the sun. We thought it's the moon. By the way, that's where Sunday, Monday, and those all come from. It's serving different gods, serving the sun and serving the moon. That's why in Hebrew, you don't have names for the days. It's Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, day one, day two, day three. There's no names for the days. Okay, so now the Talmud continues. A related narrative. There was a Sadducee who saw Rava studying a Talmudic matter. And Rava had put his fingers under his leg. And he was crushing them. And his fingers were flowing with blood. Amr lay, the Sadducee, said to Rava, Ama Paziza de Kadmisu Pumaihu Lud Naihu. Oh, impulsive people who put their mouths before their ears. You should have listened to what the Torah has to offer before you just committed yourselves. 
Akati bipachazusaihu kaimisu. You still persevere in your impulsiveness. You Jews, look at you. You're still impulsive. Here the commentaries say, Rava did not realize because he was so engrossed in his studies that he was crushing his fingers, his hands. You committed yourselves to observe the Torah even before you knew how difficult it was and whether you can adhere to it. You had no idea and you just got yourself into something which is way over your head. He says, first you should have listened, you should have heard, and then you should have known what was going to ensue. Whether or not you would accept it or not. You should have listened. And if you wouldn't have, and if you did not hear, first hear the commandments, you should not have accepted them. Amalei, Rava answered to the Sadducee, we're now on the top of 88b, Anan, we, the Saginam Bishlemusa, who go in the ways of complete faith, Ksivban, it is written about us, Tumas Yishorim Tanchem, the perfect faith of the upright shall lead them. Hanach Inshi Disagon Bealilusa, those people who go in the ways of per, per, uh, perverseness, Ksivbuhu, and the perverseness of the faithfulness shall destroy them. What is he saying? We trusted God as one would out of love. We relied on him not to burden us with something we could not uphold. This is one of the fundamental principles, by the way, in Judaism. No one is challenged with a challenge they cannot fulfill. If you have a challenge, whatever it may be, you have the strength to overcome it. There's no such thing that God puts someone in a challenge that they cannot overcome. If you don't have that challenge, it's probably because God doesn't feel you're capable of handling it. And if someone does have that challenge, they're given that challenge because they can overcome it. Every person is given a different set of tools to deal with their problems. And we try to, we try to measure it based on our own experience, on our own strengths and weaknesses, and we don't realize that it's not always the case. Sometimes other people have strengths in areas we don't. They can deal with things. I think there are certain relationships that could be toxic for you. But for other people, they, they have the ability to deal with it. They have the strength to deal with it. People are given certain challenges. Many times it's the people around them who can't handle it, but they themselves can handle it. They can. Another Agarak teaching about Israel's acceptance of the Torah. Omar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Omar Rabbi Yonasan. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani said in the name of Rabbi Yonasan. You have captured my heart, my sister, O bride. You have captured my heart with one of your eyes. At first, when we accepted the Torah, you attracted me with only one of your eyes. But when you perform it, you attract me with both your eyes. Meaning, the verse speaks of Israel's connection with Hashem, which was formed at Sinai. However, at Sinai, there was only acceptance of the Torah, not observance. While still at Sinai, the Jews sinned with the golden calf. 
Therefore, the verse specifies one of your eyes. The eye represents the process of seeing, which can occur either with one's mind or in reality. When the Jewish people accepted the Torah, they saw it only in their mind, in one eye. It was not until they carried out the Torah that they saw it physically as well with two eyes. So it's not enough to just, I accept it, but I actually live it. Now it's with both eyes. right? Our sages tell us that we have two sets of eyes. We have the physical eyes that we see things, and we have the mind's eyes. Our sages, specifically regarding the lights of the menorah, it says that the lights of the menorah purify the soul. What's going on here? It says, You should see, you should look at the face of the menorah. When you light the Hanukkah candles in another month and a half, it's already Hanukkah time, and we'll be lighting our menorahs. Is a special mitzvah to just gaze at the lights. Don't use the lights. You don't. You're not allowed to use it for reading. You know, which is why you have the shamash. You have the leader of the menorah, the highest one. You're supposed to use that to light the other candles. But you're not supposed to use any of the lights for your own benefit. Just l'rosam bilvad. Just to gaze upon them. Why? Our sages tell us to purify the soul. You use your physical eyes. But what's about your mind's eyes? Your mind's eyes get purified with the light of the menorah. And that's why we have the special teaching in the Torah where the Torah tells us that we should, that we should look at the menorah so that it doesn't only purify our physical eyes, but purifies our spiritual eyes. Just as a summary, it's all about love. Love is very, very deep. And love comes from a commitment of giving, where the Almighty gives and gives and gives us, which is why He loves us so much. The more you give, the more you love. We have nothing that God needs from us. You think of, let's buy God a birthday gift. Well, what are we going to get him, a cake? What are we going to to get God? God needs nothing. God wants a relationship with us. It's all about the relationship. So Hashem has given us 613 different channels through which we can connect to him. Every mitzvah is another channel through which we connect in that relationship. My dear friends, have an amazing Shabbos. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for listening.